You've found the Everything Apostolic Podcast. Delight your soul, feed your spirit, and sharpen your mind with anointed teaching and discussion on subjects such as faith healing, miracles, end-time prophecy, holiness, and everything that apostolics love. And now here's your host, pastor, author, blogger, and teacher, Charles Rodas. make sure that you knew about my book called The Urgent Need of the Hour. The subtitle is Revival Praying. Hi, this is Charles Rodas. If your prayer life needs reviving or you want to learn how to pray intercessory prayer and break through with great answers to prayer, I do encourage you to get this book. Now, I do want to read you a few testimonies. Now, a lady by the name of T. Bright writes, After reading this, I have a better understanding and drive to pray. And Christy W. writes, The chapter, Through the Veil, will make you put this book down and pray immediately. Great points of help all throughout this book. Brandon C. says, This is an absolutely incredible resource that will light a fire under you. One more, Shelley says, Other than the Bible, of course, this is one of the most important books I've ever read. Such wisdom and knowledge. Now, you can get The Urgent Need of the Hour on Amazon, or you can get it on my website at charlesarotis.com. Well, I hope you take a look at it. God bless. Welcome to Everything Apostolic. Somebody say praise the Lord. Dad put his little girl to sleep one night. He, he said a prayer, and uh, he said, "Amen." He said, well, "Why don't you pray now to his daughter?" She prayed her a little prayer. She said, "Hey, woman. Hey, woman. That's supposed to be funny. Okay, you have permission to laugh. Tonight we will talk about Jesus's five-point prayer. That's what I call it. Now." This book I wrote, The Urgent Need of the Hour, I had to get it re-edited. I got it, I, we had it edited and we, it was just some stuff missed, some grammar stuff, you know? So I had to get it re-edited. So this is the first edit. Who'd like a free copy of the one that's got, oh, you raise your hand first, I think. Um, So when you see all that mistakes, don't say, they don't know what they're doing. Just say they re-fixed it. They fixed it. Okay. Because uh, I think we got, uh, in the second edit, I think the rest of the, the rest of the mistakes were fixed. Well, that's what I'm believing. So, uh, 
Bible does not call help. We're not, we don't have too many brothers. You look like you're well able, but you yeah, get those all out. Thank you so much. And uh, whatever you have left over, we'll save those for next week. Thank you. I'm really excited about a book I'm working on right now, <clears throat> and it's just on one subject of prayer, and I didn't write about it in my other book here that I just, that book there, The Urgent Need of the Hour, but my new book is uh, going to be called The One-Minute Prayer Warrior, and it's going to be about the, the extreme power of short prayers, and uh, I'm excited about it. It's hope to be done January, February. Have that available. <clears throat> let's reach over and touch somebody. Let's pray. Father, we need you tonight. Uh, Lord, uh, pray touch this class. Help me, Lord. Give me the words to speak. Let me speak your words and not mine. Let me hear you. Let the people hear you tonight. Lord, because if we talk... Nothing's going to happen, but if you'll talk, Lord, the people will have an impartation. And that's what we want tonight, an impartation in the name of Jesus. Somebody say in the name of Jesus. Well, you see right there at the top, you know, the title. And uh, right, under, <clears throat> right under that in the small print, that one little line there, who will read that real loud for me? So when the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane and right before Jesus' arrest, oh, that's cool. Somebody got fancy up there, huh? Yeah, good job. Um, Jesus said, cannot you pray with me one hour? Because they fell asleep. They're all just 12 guys laying around. And, you know, the, can you imagine the misty garden? It's getting a little cool and it had been hot all day long and, now the temperature's coming down, and they, they've just been busy all day, and they're just yawning. And, you know, Jesus went about a throw, a sto stone's throw away, not too far, maybe back wall. That's just, you know, not real far. And he began to pray and didn't see them, didn't hear them. And he, he walked back over to them and uh, saw them all asleep. And he said, cannot you pray with me an hour? And uh, uh, I think they began to try a little bit. And. They fell back to sleep and, you know, um, but when you think about they, they missed a, an important time of prayer because of what was getting ready to happen. <clears throat> and you think about what happened to them and how they responded to events when they missed the time of prayer uh, that Jesus was calling for. Um, Peter tried to cut a man's head off. The Bible says he cut off his ear. How do I know he try to cut off his head because you don't take a sword and, you know, try to cut off a man's ear. The man, Peter, no doubt, was like this. And he went like this, and it caught his ear and cut off his ear. She, Peter was trying to kill a man. And, you know, because he missed an important time of prayer just moments before. 
And look at all the disciples over the next hours and days. They were distressed. They were worried. They were filled with fear and anxiety. And when I miss prayer, sometimes that happens to me. And when you miss prayer, uh, sometimes that happens to you. I'm going back to Adam. Adam, the Bible says, before their fall, uh, before they per, uh, partook of the the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, the Bible says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. And there was communication between God. And Adam had a perfect spiritual hearing where he could hear the soft voice of Almighty God speaking to him each and every day as he walked there at that special time that they met and they communicated. God ha finally had somebody that he could talk to. He finally had somebody that would listen to him. Isn't that neat? God wanted somebody that he could talk to, and he wanted somebody that would listen to him. And we know the story, Adam and Eve, they, they, they partook of the tree, the fruit, and they failed. And God showed up on his evening time of communication with, for Adam, and Adam was not there. The Bible says that he hid himself among the trees of the garden. And that's what we do when we make mistakes, you know, I say we in general, you know, we show up for prayer, you know, we're, we're the, we're, we're the, we're the main team, we're the A group, you know, we're the A, we're the starters here because we're on, here on a Bible study night and we always show up. But generally speaking, many Christians, when they fall and they make mistakes, what do they do? They don't want to go to church, they don't want to pray, they don't want to talk to God, they're ashamed. You know, they made a mistake, and we do the same thing. We make mistakes, but we know we got to get back to God. we got to get back to prayer. We, we know we can't hide among the trees of the garden. And so uh, the mistake that Adam made, who knows, and, and, and we'll never know and, unless we find out in heaven, but who knows that God may have had provision for Adam for his sin if he had just showed up. He may have turned the whole thing around and restored him instantly, and not provided this curse upon man. I don't know, but that's a neat thought, isn't it? The possibility what God could have done if Adam would have just showed up after his mistake. We serve a good God, amen? We serve a good God. <clears throat> so there's a lot to this passage in Matthew 6, 9, through 13, the small print at the top, we're going to skip for now. We'll see if we have time to get to that. But that's kind of the whole prayer thought here, the whole prayer teaching. You know, when God, God gave the disciples a, a free will, they could have prayed, they could have just slept, they, you know, and they did sleep. God, he gave Adam a free will, and he chose, of course, to hide. And so you have a free will. You are a free moral agent. You know, there's no busyness that can stop you. And one of Satan's big tricks about prayer is to make us so busy. And if the devil wasn't even involved in it, and a lot of times he's not, you know what? We, we are so busy because we've just got lots of stuff to do. 
right? You got to pay bills. You got to grocery shop. You got to get gas. You got to take care of the kids. You know, you got to run errands. You got to make some phone calls and all these other things. And sometimes we just snuff God out without even realizing it. By the time we get to our evening, we're so tired. You ever just get real tired in the evening? You know, y'all young, man. Wait till you get 61. Oh, and I eat dinner after work. I'm just like, I don't want to go nowhere. I don't want to see nobody. I'm tired. <laughs> I didn't know I'd be this way. But I'm here tonight, and I feel better, you know. Uh, <laughs> but that's humanity. That's just the way we're built. And uh, But still, it's a choice. You have to make prayer your choice. And the most important thing you can do outside of these four walls on a regular daily basis is to pray, to pray every day, to find a place to prayer, you know, get in your garden, get in your closet, you know what I mean? Get in that garden that you have, that special place. If you don't have a special place, find out where that is. Close the door if there's a door. Close that door and begin to seek the Lord, and he will meet you. Jesus wanted to meet the disciples in prayer. What if, just what if they would have gathered around Jesus that night? He was getting ready to be crucified. But what if the 12 came to him and said, oh, Jesus, and they laid their hands upon him, and they wept on his, you know, shoulders, and, and who knows how it would have affected them. And, of course, it wasn't going to change the destiny of Jesus. He had to go to the cross but as we lean upon him, it will affect us. It will affect me if I choose to lean upon him on Mondays after a good church service on Sunday, right? On Fridays after a good church service on Thursday night or revival, you know. <clears throat> so let's read this. Y'all try not to get me to read this. Is that what you're doing? All right, Matthew 6 and 9. After this manner pray, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed. That word means holy. Uh, you think about there's a holiday at the end of October. Well, they call it a holiday. I'm just saying. But it, Halloween, and it says, it, it, part of that means holy. Think about it. I'm not going there. But I just want you to think. The word means Hallowed means holy. Holy be thy name. Jesus said this is the way you should pray. He did not mean for you and I to repeat this or recite this in prayer. When you watch your Christian television, that's what you always see. Almost always. You know, Christian television, they're going to pray. Okay, they're going to pray over dinner. They're going to pray over something, and they repeat and they recite this prayer. And you probably all know you pastors taught this stuff at some point. I know he has. Um, but he he said here recently to me. I was looking at your you know your book on prayer because I gave him all my copies, everything. He said I want you to teach on that. Um, it's okay. You know, not that he can't. Like I said, I know he's done it at some point. That's just a reminder here tonight. But so, you know, it's not wrong for you to do that, you know, and sit and recite that. But that's not what, that was not the intention of Jesus. 
for you to recite that. He was teaching us how to approach God. And I'm, I'm not going to dig everything out of this that could be dug out. I only have till 10. So that's like almost two hours. Okay. <laughs> right? Not really. So the first thing he names, not that they have to be in order, but I personally believe he put this one first for a reason. I, I, I believe, generally speaking, maybe not 100% of the time, and it's not 100% of the time. You know, there's going to be times he's going to call you and you're sitting at dinner or you're driving a car, and all of a sudden, like that, the spirit of intercession comes on you. You know, you're not going to start praising the Lord. You're going to follow the spirit of intercession, and you're going to obey the spirit. But generally speaking, he wants us to approach him in a spirit of praise and worship. So, you know, many of you have children, um, and um, you know what I'm talking about when I'm going to say this. But how many of you like uh, the little ones to come up and give you a hug? We all love that, right? Mommy, Daddy, I love you. You're so, you're so wonderful. You're beautiful. You're this. You're that. I mean, you could be dog ugly, but that little kid says you're beautiful. It's going to make you feel beautiful, right? I'm not saying anybody's dog ugly. There's nobody. You're all beautiful people. You're all wonderful people. I love you dearly. Uh, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean, right? I don't want to look at anybody because you might think I'm thinking about you. I'm, I'm going to look at the ceiling for a while. <laughs> so anyway, but you know how good that makes you feel. And so if little Johnny walks, just walks up to you, can I have, you know, he's, is, can, I have a, can I have a dollar? Would you buy me this ball? Would you buy me this car? Would you buy me this doll? You know, and you might do it, you know, just because you so dearly love them. But the, the purchase becomes easier if little Johnny or little Susie wraps their arms around you and just puts nose to nose and looks at you in the eyes. I love you, Mommy. I love you, Mommy. Um, you know, these boys that we watch, they've done us that way. You know, and we're not even their Mommy and Daddy, but we feel like Mommy and Daddy to them to a certain extent because we've heard that from them. <clears throat> but even when they do it, it makes us feel really good. Okay, and, you know, and they give that compliment, and that compliment is, see my quotation marks, is praise. In a sense, it is praise. In a sense, it's not really, but in a sense, it's worship for the sake of this conversation, okay? <clears throat> so that entrance of compliment it's, 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 it's like the man that comes home from work, walks right in. Honey, did you get a chance to, to paint that room like we were talking about last night? First thing he says, oh, did you pick up that stuff at, at the post office, that mail? Oh, did you happen to go to the cleaners and get my stuff? It's the first thing he says. Oh, what's for dinner? What's better, him to do that or first walk in? With a hug, a kiss on the cheek. So glad to be home. So good to see you. I, I've missed you all day long. Now, what's going to be better? The latter, right? What's going to make her feel better, right? So he can pretty much ask for what he wants now. 
in, in the prior example, she might say, yeah, I've done this, and yeah, but I didn't get a chance to do that, and, you know, but he just walks in asking. But when he walks in praising, it changes the atmosphere for him and her. It changes the results, very possibly, of what he is going to receive. It's a mindset for the person walking in. It's the mindset for the person receiving a compliment, love, adoration, and praise. It really is. You've experienced it. If you've been married for a while and you have close family that love you and children, you experience it many times. So when you think about it, value that, but now let's attach that same principle to the Lord, okay? Hallowed be thy name. So I believe he put this part first because he wanted it first. All right? I'm going to read the rest of it, then we're just going to skim through it here. Uh, verse uh, 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts in Luke. It doesn't say debts, it says sins. Forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I ask you not to read ahead tonight if you're tempted to. Stay with me because you, you might want to take some notes on some things that I'm going to say. If you'd like to, that would be fine. But looking at that first point, number one, you see that, right? Right, be, right below the Matthew 6 passage. Hallowed be thy name. Now let's look at the scripture below it that goes. And I could have had many scriptures. There's not time to hear tonight to, to be exhaustive in this, but we're going to hit on it. Psalms 104, uh, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now, many of us probably can quote that first part. If you've been in church for a while, for a while you know that real well. But it's really, really, really important that you take this uh, literal, that you enter his gates, that you, in, that you enter those courts. There's the gates right back there. There's two gates, okay? The courts. This is the court of the Lord in a sense. And that was the way it was in a physical sense. But, of course, we're spiritual beings who was it that Paul said, uh, yeah, it was Paul that said, he that is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, you know, the disciples, while Jesus was on earth, they were not born of the Spirit. They were living for God in the flesh. The Old Testament people were living for God in the flesh. But today we live for God not only in the flesh but in the Spirit. Why? Because we walk in the Spirit. We'll touch on that more. So we need to enter this place. Not that I'm saying you have to walk in the doors with your hands lifted, but nothing wrong with that either. But when you come up here in, in prayer time, or let's just say you're at home and you're going to go to prayer for a little while, and the first thing you know is you, you ask, God, did you paint, those, uh, did you paint that, that room that I mentioned to you? Lord, did you, uh, did you bake that cake I needed? Uh, Lord, did you, did you go to the post office and pick up the cleaners? You know, and, and you approach God that way, you know. We, we've got our do list for the Lord. Did you do it, Lord? No, but why don't we just...
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I worship you. I praise you. I love your name. I love your ways. I thank you for your mercy and your grace and your long suffering to usward. Oh, I worship you. Oh, if you're really praising him, you might be feeling something about right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, because he's here right now, and he loves your praise, and he loves your worship. In Jesus' name, praise God. What's the most important part of the church service? I'm sorry? Somebody said prayer. I'm sorry? Somebody said prayer. Any other opinions? Somebody said praise. Any other opinions? What's the most important part of a church service? I'm sorry? She says the word, so she got two opinions. A lot of people are confused. I'm just kidding. It's all right. That's what, it's all important. But we're common to say, and we've said for years, that we're getting to the best part of the service, the word of God. And it is the best part of the service to us. But really, the best part of the service to God is that praise. Because he is the word. He doesn't, I don't think he gets as excited about the word. I'm sure he does love when we preach and we teach his word. But he is the living word. You know, but, but when somebody is just praising him, because, again, you are that free moral agent. And you decide to do that. Sure, somebody might have said, lift your hands and do that, but it was still up to you. You didn't have to. And how many times in a service, and I don't look around to see, but you know it's true, that when someone's exhorting to say, let's lift our hands and worship, there's somebody in here just not doing it because they choose not to. And like I said, I don't look around, but you got a church of a number of people. That always happens because you never have 100%. Some people just don't want to do it. And but again, because you're that free moral agent and you, you, you have a, a will of your own that God gave you a will and you choose to praise him. You choose to walk into those gates with thanksgiving and you choose to come into the courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. He didn't say bring your entire grocery list and tell me everything you need. And we do that and there's nothing wrong, so don't misunderstand but again, the approach, the, the importance of giving, I'm his son. You're his sons and daughters. We are his children. And when I wrap my arms around him, and I said, I want to be just like you. If my kids said that to me, that would make me proud. My son's not serving the Lord, but Lucretia, you know, she's a fireball for Jesus. I know she wants to be like her dad. I know that. She emanates me. You know, my, my wife complimented her, uh, she complimented her one time and says, you are a mini Charles Rodas. <laughs> of course, she ate that up, you know, and she is, she, you know. So thank God for that. And, and parents are proud of that. And the Lord, our Father, is proud of that. 
when you say, I want to be like you. I don't want to be like me. Less of me and more of you. <clears throat> okay, this next verse there, Psalms 95 and 2. Let us, there, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. So, you know, that was more so in, in, the, in the tabernacle and in the temples because they didn't have the Spirit of God living within, but we have the Spirit of God living within. And because we have the Spirit of God living within, this can be an all-day thing, you know? You're doing dishes. You're vacuuming the floor. But the praises are coming out of your mouth. Yeah, the praises are coming out of your mouth. You're just vacuuming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you. Oh, Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. <clears throat> and why? Because you are a, you were born of the Spirit. You have the Spirit of God within so it's more than showing showing up to the gates. It's more than showing up to to the the temple or the courts because you are his living house. You are his temple. <clears throat> Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, right? Your body is a temple, and in the temple should be constant worship. In the temple should be constant praise. Hallelujah. And when there's constant praise and when there's constant prayers, I mean, when there's constant praise and worship, there can easily be prayers. Why? Because now you know you have his attention. You may not get his attention with your prayer, but you definitely, 100%, every time without fail, you will get his attention with praise and with worship. If you don't feel God anywhere when you're praising, we come up here and sometimes, you know, it, it's happened to everyone. It's happened to me in my life. Uh, every Christian believer it's happened to. Um, and, and we go to prayer and we forget about this or we don't know about it. And our prayer is boring. And our prayer is dead. And we're by ourselves. We're in our home. I don't feel God. You know, I don't feel anything. Well, it's because I've been asking, asking, asking. I'm like that guy that walked in asking, did you do this? Did you do that? I need this. I need that. But no, but instead, no, uh, just in the car as you're driving, you just start praising, not asking for anything. I have spent, I have spent, there's been times I've spent a solid hour just worshiping God and told him up front, I'm not asking you for anything today. I'm not asking you for anything. <clears throat> I'm just going to praise you for what you've done what you're doing and you're going to do. I'm just going to give you praises. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to adore your name. Don't you think that that touches him? him? Oh, that touches him. That moves him. <clears throat> because you find the relationship, you're seeking his face and not so much seeking his hand. Uh, we want the handout, and, there's not, and it's, that's part of it. But when you're seeking his face... I'm telling you what, <clears throat> I remember a, a time that God answered a need of mine that I had been thinking about. I had not even prayed about it, but I was thinking about this need over a little time. And one day it just happened, but I know that God did it. I know that God did it, <clears throat> even though I didn't ask him, I didn't even praise him for it. But it was in my mind, and he read my mind, and he knew my need, and he supplied my need. Praise the Lord. 
So when you're doing these things, what is the scripture? I think it's in Psalms or somewhere. It says, before they called, before he asked, how does it go? Before they called, I answered. And while they were yet speaking, I heard. Before they called, I answered. God will answer you even before you ask at times because you are his. Now, if I never talk to him and I'm like Adam or I'm like the disciples, you know, you're just not going to get a lot of answers. But when we give ourselves to him, all right. Okay, again, we could just keep on. This is, this is, this first part, this right here, to me is, is the whole thing. This is the whole thing. <clears throat> the, 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 the importance of hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. I'm going to come worshiping. I'm going to come praising and let God answer as he will because he's going to. Oh, he's going to do it because he hears those praises. Oh, you know, you could, you could use a praise word like hallelujah, which is the most powerful praise word known to mankind. You know, the word hallelujah, as you all know, is spoken the same in all languages, hundreds of languages in the world. And that word, everybody says it the same way. They say hallelujah. And it means the same. You know, it actually means in, in, the, in the Hebrew, it means praise to Jah, shortened, shortened form of Jehovah. Praise to Jah. And so when you're saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now just saying it, just showing you. I, you know why? Because I am sincere. But, you know, you could even say that begging. You could say, hallelujah, begging. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's begging. That's a spirit of begging. But what about hallelujah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All of heaven listens. The portals open up. The sky opens up. The angels bow over and peer. And who is that now? I'm listening to Father. Oh, that's that child loaded with that kind of praise. Oh, yes. To have his attention. Praise God. Keep his attention. Keep it all day long. And then you can slip in once in a while. Father, don't forget about that prayer I was telling you about the other day. Remember I was telling you about that person? Just remind him. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. He loves that. Oh, he loves that. We're not going to trick him. But he loves that communication. Talk to him like he is your father. Because he is. <clears throat> my mom died at 90 back a couple years ago and she said she's had a hard time in her life recognizing God as her father my mom was a very spiritual woman powerful with God and uh, fasting and prayer and the gifts of the spirit uh, casting out devils but she, she told me one time uh, more than once I, I've had a hard time recognizing God as my father and she said the reason is I grew up without a father because her dad left when they were young, when, when she was young, little girl, and didn't see him until she was a grown woman with a family. And then her stepfather um, wasn't, wasn't father-like. He wasn't father-like. 
And so she missed that, and some of you may have missed that, so maybe you can relate. But we, we, we can recognize and we can fully recognize him as a father. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, let's go to number two. Uh, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Now, you see my little notation right to the right of that? What's it say? A little, little louder, please. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said it. 23 New Testament verses. Yeah, say that. Mark 3.35. And that's what we, we want the will of God in our lives, right? So we're just transitioning a little bit to this thought. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. Man, what family member do you need? Think about it. What family member do you need? Do you need a brother? Do you need a sister? Do you need a mother? Do you need a father? Whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. This is family stuff going on right here. Is this cool or what? This is family stuff. He, he, he wants you to think of it as a family. I'm your family, in other words, God is saying. I'm your family. You know, I can meet your needs. I can be that person in your life. And he really can. And we have a hard time because we can't see him. And I understand that. And I'm human too. I have a hard time sometimes. Okay? Because we're, we're born in sin. We're shaping in iniquity. And so it's the flesh against the spirit always warring. Right? Okay? That's what the scripture says. <clears throat> For whosoever shall do the will of God. I think we need to pray about everything we do. I think we should pray about cars we buy, houses we buy. We're going to move from one place to another, cross town, cross state, cross the country. We're going to go on a vacation. Listen, I want a trip. I've won several trips through sales over the years, but I remember I want a trip. I remember this first, not the first one, but this one that we really enjoyed to Rome, Italy. And, uh, you know, do you know I prayed about that trip and I prayed about that trip because I was not going to go if I felt bad about going on that trip. All expenses paid. They said that the cost per person on them, on the insurance company, was about $10,000 a person. I'm talking about a $20,000 trip. I mean, 100-star hotels, all the food you can imagine that you want to eat, right? I mean, day, giving you money to spend while you're there, taking you on fancy tours to the, to the Colosseum and to, to the Vatican and all these different things. But I prayed about that trip. I'm just using that example how important that trip really was to me to go on. Who would ever spend that kind of money? I don't have that kind of money to go on a trip like that. But I won it through a sales contest. And, but I didn't feel bad about going, so we went. <laughs> and we had fun, too. Never forget it. But I bought, a, I bought a church van. Did I tell this one time about buying that church van? But nobody remembers that. It goes, so maybe I didn't tell it. So I bought this church van when I was pastoring. And I took a brother from the church with me. I said, let's go look at this van. I need somebody to go with me. He said, okay. And so we went out. We were in Hammond, and the van was out in Illinois. Uh, Matson or somewhere. There was this lot, and they sold vans. and Big five-seater, five 15-passenger uh, van. It was big. You know, it was older, but. 
um, we needed a van, man. We had a bunch of kids coming, and we're picking up people for youth night. We're picking up people for Sunday church and Bible study. We just needed a big van. And we could get 20, 25 kids in the van. <laughs> we did. We pa- when kids are complaining because it's crowded, you know it's crowded, right? It's too crowded, Pastor. I can't, I can't move, you know. People sitting on the wheel wells and in the floor, you know, that's how we need a bus. But anyway, sometimes you have to make two trips. So I got the brother. We went. We drove the van. We got on the expressway on I-80. We drove it some miles, came back a little while later. Man, drove great. We just decided to buy it. <clears throat> Bought that van, and when I was on my way home, when I got on my street, the transmission was going out. You know what? I didn't pray about that van. I just decided to buy the van because I don't know. That's not me. And, you know, I called them and everything worked out and stuff like that. But still, the, it didn't have to be that way at all. And I believe that God can lead us away from problems. I believe he can give us direction. I believe he can speak to us. <coughs> if it's not just a, a word in your mind, maybe it's, you know, God speaking is not always that way. Sometimes he's speaking by things that happen. You know, just causing you to go a different route or do a different thing that you didn't plan on suddenly doing because you don't know what that end result could be. But God, in His grace and His mercy, He leads us when we're seeking Him. I want the will of God, don't you? I want to. I, I want to pray about everything I do. I, I don't want to do anything without Him. Uh, I don't. I don't. Because it could end up in failure and problems. And, but if I have him and if I, uh, what's this, how's the scripture go? Uh, acknowledge the Lord in all thy ways and he shall what? Direct your paths. Does that kind of go with all this? Yeah, it kind of goes with this. So if I acknowledge him and Lord, what about this? You know, not my will. I really want to do it, but Lord, Still, I want you to somehow let me know if this is okay, you know, and he has a way of doing that, all right? So, yeah, pray about everything you do. Get in that habit, and because we want the will of God. And Romans twelve two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, it's not in the human nature of man to do God's will. You know, it's really not. It's not in my human nature to do the will of God. I, I want to do it my way. We, we, we're, we're, we were born rebellious. That's why that little baby that can't hardly even talk and scream at you and say no. With a, with a loud voice screaming at you, right? That's why that little baby girls and little baby boys can do that. Nobody around the house even does that. But they learn there's just a certain amount of rebellion that's born in every person. Okay? And mom and dad knows how to get that out, of course, to children. And, and, and God has given us uh, that wisdom. <clears throat> but he said, be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't be molded in the image. Uh, you know, that's not just the worldly look or the worldly dress, but more so it's, it's the thought of mind because my, 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 
my type of thinking. You know, one man said, whatever you think about all day long is really who you are. What, whatever you think about all day long is who you are. I want to think about the Lord. I want to think about the things of God. I don't want to be conformed. I, I'm not telling you what to do here. I'm just saying me. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I try to be careful even about how much news I watch and what news I watch or, or listen to or social media. And, and, you know, I have all those things. But I personally, I'm just saying me. I'm not telling you anything. But I, I'm just saying I'm, I just don't want my mind conformed to this world. I don't want to think about, I don't want to think like the world. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to think, I don't want to reason like them. I want to reason like the word. I, I want thoughts like the Word. I want thoughts like God. You know, this scripture says in, in one place, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Another place he said for us to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, the thoughts of Christ, the, the intentions, the motivations, the decisions. Every, you know, if your brain dies, you're just, your heart might be beating, but what are you going to do if you're brain dead? So everything is about the mind. It starts in our thoughts. And so we have to, like Paul said to Timothy, he said, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly unto them that thy profiting may appear to all. So we need to meditate in the word. We need to meditate in scripture. And many times I'll sit in prayer and I'll just have my Bible in front of me, and I'll, I'll be praying, I'll be talking to God, I may be reading the scripture as we talked about a while back, you know, praying the word, and trying to let this, this, this word and spirit just move through me and change me and morph me. See, the, the more you're around somebody, the, the more the, the greater like a, a, a possibility that you're going to be like them. You can hang around people that don't talk like you, and if you be, you're around them enough, you'll start talking like them. I, I grew up, my cousin, she's the same age as me, three months apart, across the street. Summertime, she'd go to Kentucky with our other cousins, both girls. They're a couple years older than us. But she'd go down there and spend about two or three weeks with them. Well, she'd come back home, now, my cousin that lived across the street, she's just like me. She lived born in Indiana, right? All of our parents are from the south, but, you know, we went back and forth in the south a lot. But Robin would go south for two or three weeks and hang around with our other cousins, and she'd come home talking like she lived in Kentucky with that accent. I said, what are you doing that for? You know, we're about 13, 14. What are you talking like that? You don't live down there. You know, I'd kind of scold her a little bit, you know, talking like you from Kentucky, you know. But she was hanging around that, and, you know, my wife's got a, you know, wonderful Arkansas accident, accent. I said accident. Accent. I didn't mean to say that. That was, that was an accident. <laughs> but, and, and my mother-in-law, she's passed away. And little Eli, right, now he's six, going to be seven, right? So he, he'd come over, and when they were spending a, a lot more time with us, he'd go with my mother-in-law for a day or two. By the time he got back to our place, he's talking like he's from Arkansas. He's got that little slang going on, right? We've laughed about it. Little Eli, okay? And what am I saying that for? I'm saying that because when you're with the Father long enough, you might start talking like him. 
If you're with Jesus enough, you might start talking like him. You might start thinking like him. You might start acting like him. You might start walking like him. Yeah. I had this uh, older pastor friend of mine, and um, he was from Georgia, and, and they had a real slang down there. Boy, they really had a, a, a real accent. And uh, and and we we'd be that their fellowship, and they they'd come up and preach, or we'd be somewhere where they were. And we had another local friend in Indiana, and uh, so this brother from the Georgia, he was a little older, and he was kind of like a father figure in a way. And uh, he, he would say the word brother, brother, like we would say brother. He would say brother. That's why he would say brother. And he had some other words too, but that was just his way. He never said nothing about it. It's just he. Hey, brother, brother Rodas. Well, this other brother that was in North Judson, which is like not that far from here, he went down there and fellowshiped a whole lot with him, you know. But I noticed one day he got to saying, brother. He got to saying, brother, because he, he, he loved him, and he kind of wanted to be like him, and he looked, at, looked up to him. Again, let's spend time with him. All right. So be not conformed to this world. Let's be conformed. Let's be transformed by the renewing. Transformed. Let there be a transformation. How? By the renewing of our mind. How is your mind renewed? Stop reading your Bibles. Stop reading your Bibles. Ah, you're looking at me. Start studying your Bibles. You read your Bible through every year and that's all you do. You're missing too much. You know how many times I've read my Bible through? Let me embarrass myself, but I'm not embarrassed because I know a little bit about it. I've never read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Have I read the entire Bible? Yes. But I've never done that. But I've studied a lot. I've studied a lot. You know, when you sit for three or four hours straight at the table and you've got your books and your Bible, you haven't gone, you haven't even gone up to go to the restroom. You haven't gone up to get, you haven't got up to get anything to drink. And you want nobody talking to you. After about four hours, your body hurts. It aches. Because you've been in that position so long. But why are you there? You're there because you are so hungry. And God is feeding you. And God is speaking to you through his word and by his spirit as you sit. As the scripture says, I think it's in Ecclesiastes. Much study is a weariness of the flesh. And I found that to be true. But it's a wonderful thing what you gain from those sessions. It wasn't reading. I might be studying one thing for an hour, two, three, four hours. Studying one passage. One thing I'm trying to understand, trying to learn, trying to grasp, trying to get a revelation from. And I'm searching back and forth throughout the Bible. <clears throat> but that's where my mind is being transformed. Now, let me tell you this real quick. i got to move on. i got a lot to cover. But this was... When I was younger, in my early 20s, I went through a tremendous trial in my mind. I mean, I had the Holy Ghost since I was 17, baptized in Jesus' name. But my, my, my trial was so tremendous, I even questioned 
was I a reprobate? What is wrong with me? My mind, my, my mind was so bombarded. But the devil, see, it backfired on him. It backfired on him. I wasn't even preaching. But it backfired on him. Because you know what I said to myself? I, I, I'm not going to backslide. Backsliding is not an option for me. Many people will just quit. They give up. They go do their thing. But I said, backsliding is not an option for me. And I got my Bible. I began to get my Bible and begin to get study dictionaries and whatever I could get at that time. Didn't have much. And I'd sit down at night when I'd come home from work at the table. And I would spend two or three hours until bedtime maybe and study. And my whole purpose was not really that I was so hungry to learn, but I was trying to fill my mind with this powerful word because everything was against my brain, against my mind, against my thinking. And I had to fill my mind and I began to memorize scripture. And I lie not, I was so desperate to fill my mind with the word, I began to memorize scriptures. I began to memorize two and three and four and five Bible verses every week. And I did that for a long time. Every week, I was memorizing. Why? I'd drive around for my appointments in Chicago, and I had three-by-five index cards, and I'd have that scripture on there, you know. And, and sometimes I would re memorize a, a section or a small chapter, and, or sometimes I would memorize uh, on a certain subject. And whatever, I, whatever it was, I was doing that because I was in a battle, and I was going to win. I'm saying it backfired on the devil. I got all that word in me because of what I was going through. <laughs> I win. I win. And I still got that word inside me today. And I'm through the battle, and I am victorious. He didn't know what I was going to do. He was hoping I would quit. Ha, <laughs> ha. Praise the Lord. You can make it. I don't care what you're going through because I know what I've been through. I know what I have been through. Praise God. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God. Let's go to the next one, number three. Give us this day. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Hmm, think about that. Jesus is talking. Jesus is talking. Give us this day. Take no thought for your life. Look at those six words. How is that possible? How, you say, well, that's easy. Oh, it may be easier for you, but I, I really don't think it is. Take no thought for your life. Why? Because I'm going to work tomorrow. I know I got bills to pay. Take no thought for your life. Take no thought. Don't worry about tomorrow what you shall eat. Don't worry about what you shall drink. Don't worry about yet even for your own body or what you shall put on. Don't worry about things in life, the meat and raiment. He doesn't say don't work. He's not saying don't pursue the things you need. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, just don't worry about it. You know, the Bible does say in one place, uh, if a man does not work, he, he should not eat. <coughs> Paul said that. So we're supposed to work. We're supposed to do that. <coughs> but at the same time, I, he doesn't want me to, 
to be stressed over that. He doesn't want me to feel like I have to have a new suit every week. Or I have to have a new something that I have so many of them already that I'm, I'm, there are people that are addicted to buying. They're addicted. They're addicted. They can't stop buying that, those more clothes, more shoes, more suits. And there's nothing wrong with having a good assortment, so don't misunderstand. But he's saying here, don't take thought. What, what is this, is this saying? Is it in Psalms or Proverbs? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding. and He shall direct your paths. Trust that word. Somebody say trust. <clears throat> trust in the Lord. It's easier said than done because he's invisible and I'm visible and you're visible and all these things are tangible that we have and that we own and that we need and that we want and it's okay. But let's just not be possessed with them. Let's not be controlled by them. Just pray for what you need. God, you know what I need today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself because you know what I need right now. That doesn't mean you neglect your mortgage and your rent. It doesn't mean you're going to neglect your bills. I'm not saying that at all. But at the same time, there has to be a spiritual balance that says, Lord, you, you've got this. You're in control. I'm believing you're going to supply what all of my need. Is that what it says? Right, Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He knows your need. He wants you to pray. Scripture says in another place, make your requests known to God. Bring those requests to the Lord. Lay it upon the altar. Believe that he's going to supply. We're not beggars, are we? We're not beggars. We're the children of God. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. We're not to beg for our needs because he is the supplier. His storehouse is full. The storehouse of heaven has everything you need. You say, well, I can't seem to get that. But you're going to get it. And you start praising God for it. Thank you, Lord, for supplying my need and even many of my wants. Because you are God and you are in control and you're not just God, you're my father and you're the one I trust in and, and I believe in you and the Lord will and he's going to. So sometimes we must wait upon the Lord as the scripture says, he will renew your strength. When you feel weak, when you feel discouraged, you don't feel like praying, that's okay. He's not going to kill you if you don't pray today. You just, you're fighting a battle. Okay, I get it. I fight them too. But guess what? Tomorrow you're going to get up and you're going to brush yourself off and you're going to go in there and pray twice as hard. Yeah, because tomorrow you're going to feel better. And you're going to get up and you're going to get a hold of God. And you're going to say, devil, you might have messed with me yesterday, but today I'm going to mess with you in Jesus' name. Amen? Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. The healer lives in you, and that healer is the Holy Ghost. The deliverer, the devil caster outer, lives inside of you. You can't cast out a devil in yourself, but you've got the spirit of the living God inside of you. You've got the eternal spirit that created heaven and the earth, the dry land and the sea, the stars, the moon, the sun, and all the galaxies of the universe. You have that same God living inside of you. And make your requests known. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. Everyone that seeketh findeth. And to everyone that knocketh the door is opened. 
Somebody clap their hands to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, number four, forgive us our sins. Very, very important, vital, crucial, <coughs> imperative. What other adjectives can I find? Forgive us our sins. First John 1, 9. I love the verse. I've read it a thousand times. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. When the devil says you really messed up, and you probably did, and maybe it wasn't as bad as what he's making, but he's going to make you feel like it, right? Because he wants you to feel condemned. He wants you to walk in guilt, and he wants you to live in condemnation. Because when you're in guilt and condemnation, you can't hear from God, and you can't be used of God. Why? Because you're feeling bad about yourself. But you've got to trust in the Lord. The blood will cover me. All I have to do is ask. Let's read that together. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did he say accept a certain sin that you did? Did he exclude a sin? He didn't exclude anything. He's letting you know I, I, he's here for us. He knows you're human. He knows you're going to make errors. Now, we don't live in sin. How shall, you know, how shall we, you know, how shall we live in sin and, and expect the grace of God to abound, Paul said. You know, we're not living, you know, just uh, taking the grace of God for, uh, uh, as a license to do wrong. No, we're not doing that. But sometimes you'll make mistakes over and over and over, and you have to get yourself up, and you have to brush yourself off, and you do have to repent, and you do have to deal with that, and you do have to work on those mistakes and those temptations, right? Because we're human, and it happens to everybody. It happens to you. It happens to me. It happens to everyone, no one excluded. But thank God for this verse. He's faithful. Forgive us our sins. Let's go to the next one, Matthew six fourteen. This, this, this verse here, we can't ignore this verse. Many people don't know this verse is in the Bible. But it, 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 it's, if we ignore this and what this says, we will, we will be in deep trouble with God. Six, Matthew 6, 14, 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, we could just stop right there and not read 15. That's a wonderful thing, and that's what we've been talking about. If we forgive, if we forgive, if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's, but it goes deeper is, is the harder part. It goes deeper. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There was a man we were, young man we were pastoring, and we had won this good-sized family through a radio broadcast I had, and and he was baptized and received the Holy Ghost. And, you know, they didn't know much about God. And they were going to a denominal church. And we were doing Bible studies with them. And, and um, I said something to him about one time, you know, you, brother, make sure you forgive everybody. Make sure you forgive because I was trying to get him closer to God. And he, and he kind of looked off. I could see he was thinking about somebody that hurt him. He was thinking about him. He said, everybody. I got to forgive everybody? Yeah. 
but I don't know if he misunderstood. It doesn't mean because you forgive. It doesn't mean you all of a sudden approve of what they did to you. Forgiving is not an emotional feeling. Forgiving is an act. It's an action that you decide to do of your own mind. You may have to forgive that same person every day. If I have to forgive them again tomorrow, I have maybe haven't seen them in years. But if it comes back to, the, to me today and I feel angry at them again today and I forgave them yesterday or last week and today I'm feeling those negative emotions, you know what I'm going to do? Today I'm going to forgive them again. I'm going to keep forgiving them until I have it all out of me. Right. Because me having a grudge against them does not hurt them. It hurts me. I, I, I'm the victim when I'm holding a grudge. You know, you can't find the word uh, unforgiveness in the Bible. That's what we use because we don't want it to sound so bad. But the word in the Bible is grudge. You know, not have grudge not against one another. And so if I, just speaking it plainly, if I choose not to forgive somebody and I come in here speaking in tongues. And sure, I spoke in tongues. Those were real tongues. Operating the gifts of the Spirit. Preach, teach, win souls. And I die and I haven't forgiven that person. The scripture says he will not forgive me. I will go to the judgment with unforgiven sins. Now that is scary. But that's what he said. He said, I will not forgive you. Man, you can't go to heaven with unforgiven sins. They got to get under the blood. And so am I saying it's going to be easy? Because, man, when you're abused and you've been through stuff, you say, Brother Rodas, you've never been through what I've been through. You don't know. They, they hurt me bad, what they did to me when I was a kid. Listen, you'd be amazed to know what I had been through. You'd be amazed to know what my, my wife's laughing because she knows it's the truth because she knows all about it. You'd be amazed to know what she's been through. See, and I'd be amazed to know what you've been through. You that have the victory, and I don't know if you have the victory or not. I'm hoping everybody does. But <clears throat> over the past, it doesn't mean you approve of the past. It doesn't mean you agree with it. It doesn't mean you have to call them and be their friend. You may never want to talk to them again, and that's okay. Don't go around them, you know, because they were your enemies and they harmed you. I don't want to be around those people that were like that in my life because I don't trust them. There's some people you just can't trust. He didn't say you have to trust them to go to heaven. If you trust them not, you will, I, neither will I trust you. That's not what it says. <laughs> it just says if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. <clears throat> so if you, if, you, if, if you need to do that, work on that. And you're going to feel your deliverance is bigger and your victory is bigger. Your breakthroughs will be bigger. You'll dance longer. You'll shout louder. Oh, yeah, you will. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just never know who's got what in their life and no one's here to judge or, or, or throw stones. Listen, I've been to hell and back. I, yeah. I've, I've had demons, you know, dipping at my heels, you know, running. But you know what? Again, I forgive. Forgive. Listen, people I had to forgive years ago that stuff, did stuff to me, had harmed me de deeply. Oh, Maybe in the last months, I don't know how long though, I've had to forgive them again. They just pop up. I'd say, they're so stupid. They're so stupid people. You know, I'd say something like that, right? You ever do that? Man, you're retarded, man. You know, I'm just using my own cuss words. Or my own, my, those are my cuss words, okay? Not really cuss words, you know what I mean? But that's the kind of stuff I think. You know, sometimes I'll say it out loud. 
Oh, God. I'll, then I'll say, Lord, don't hold it to their charge. The Lord, if they die, don't judge them over the sins that they committed against me. Because I'm going to pray like Jesus prayed. Lord, don't hold this against them on the judgment day. Forgive them, Lord, because I have forgiven them too. And that's how I pray it. I don't always feel it, but if, I, if it comes back and tempts me, I'm going to pray it again. Get behind me, Satan. Just because it comes at you again doesn't mean you're a bad person. Well, you're human, that's all. You have emotions that have been damaged, and that's, that's part of life. It doesn't make you bad. It just makes you human, right? Amen. Just wave your hand to the Lord. Is that okay? I don't I want to say nothing hard or hurtful or painful. I just want you to know we're all human. We go through stuff. And God will bring you through even further than what you are. All right, let's see if we can finish this up before Pastor gets done. Because he quits about 9.30 or 9.45, doesn't he? 9.30? 9.15? Something like that? Okay. We'll try to get done by the time he does. Let's see. Where are we at? Okay, uh, we read that forgiveness stuff. So, again, forgiveness is a choice just like everything else. I said it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. I want to make sure I said that. Number five, lead us. I want him to lead me, right? One scripture says uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered. He's leading me. He's leading you. That's what he wants to do. The steps of a good man or a righteous man woman. <coughs> For as many as are led, Romans eight fourteen are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So in your own time later, you need to read the first 13 verses of that because he talks about walking in the flesh. He talks about living in the flesh. But here all of a sudden he changes it and he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, you, know, you, can, be, you can have the Holy Ghost and you can walk in the flesh. And you could walk in a carnal mind, and you can walk in sin, and you can come in here and speak in tongues. I'm not criticizing. I don't mean that in a critical way. I'm just trying to, to teach a point here that there's a difference in being spiritual and being carnal. Even when you are carnal, you can still do some spiritual things that make you look spiritual. Okay? But when you're living the spiritual life at home and at work and wherever you are, and you're doing your best to walk with God... And if you make a mistake, does it make you a bad sinner because you made a mistake? It just, you know, just in your mind, run to the altar. In your mind, say, Lord, I've just messed up. I said something really bad, stupid. I don't mean you're just like wouldn't cussing. You know, I'm just saying, well, I think probably most of us are past that. I try not to cuss too much. Just messing with you. I don't cuss. But, you know, but people, you know, there are people that serve God in a short time and living for God a short time, and they still deal with that, you know, and not judging them, you know. It's just just an area in their life that they need to have victory. And, you know, we all have areas of growth and areas we need to grow, right? Amen. So it's not about criticizing somebody for the mistakes. It's about getting us a little closer to Jesus. That's what about this teaching is about tonight, is praying the prayer and going deeper in this prayer and not just repeating the prayer. What is, the, what is this whole thing teaching us? What is Jesus teaching us in these several verses? Okay? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So he talks about in previous verses, talks about walking in the flesh. 
Okay? So it talks about walking in the flesh, walking in the spirit. Romans chapter 8, Romans 6, 7, and 8. I, I probably have read those chapters of the Bible more than any chapters, other chapters in the entire Bible. I have so, especially chapters 6 and 8, I have read for decades. I have meditated and read and trying to grasp everything I can so that I can be what God, and I'm still very far from where I need to be, but still using that to help me get a hold of this thing and walk in the Spirit. All right, the next verse, Psalms 119, 133. Uh, David, uh, I believe the psalmist says, Order my steps in thy word and let not, did I just quote that? Maybe I just quoted that. And let not any iniquity. But that's what, that's what Jesus was saying here. He said, lead us not into temptation. Isn't that what the, he said in, the, in, in, in Luke there? He said, lead us not into temptation. Pray this way. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, he's not going to, but Lord, help me find a way of escape. <clears throat> uh, Lord, lead me another direction. If there's temptation that way, wherever my weakness is, Lord, maybe just let me go around it. It's not wise to say, show, oh, I'm just going to show the devil how spiritual I am. I used to have a problem with alcohol. I'll just go in that bar and order me a 7-Up. Praise God. Show him I don't have to drink. Uh, uh, I'm not going to get on the edge of the cliff. I'm going to stay away from that edge as far as I can get. No, I'm not going to give no place to the devil. I'm not going to give no occasion to the flesh. No, that word occasion means a starting point. It's a military term in the Greek. Neither give occasion to the flesh. It, the Greek word is a, it's, it, 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 it denotes, uh, 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 it gives an example of a military starting a, an, uh, from an attack position. <clears throat> Neither give occasion. Don't give it, your flesh, a, 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 a position to attack you and overcome you. Okay? Okay. Um, does that make sense? Order my steps in thy word. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Paul, sends, Paul said in Romans 6, he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. The worldly churches out there, they say, well, you can't help but sin. They're wrong. Don't, uh, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I don't listen to them false teachers because they're not even saved anyway. Why am I going to listen to it? A, a teacher that don't even have the Holy Ghost, that's not even baptized right. Why is he going to, how's he going to tell me how to be saved? I'm not saying you can never learn anything, but I'm not going to give it that practice because what if I just don't know and I wound up believing something just because he sounded, Jesus said the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And there's life and death and in the power of the tongue. So if I don't know and that man is speaking life, he is speaking death, and I don't know what to receive, and all of a sudden I receive something wrong in my spirit, I'm going to stay with the apostolic brethren. That's just what I do. That's safety to me because I want to be taught by men that have the truth. Even though we don't all, even us, know all the truth about every little thing, you know, I could have missaid something here tonight and not even know it. But um, that happens. But we're, we have to be teachable. Amen? I want to be teachable. I want a teachable spirit before the Lord. All right? Psalms 143.10, teach me to do thy will. Teach me. I, te- I, I, I pray that type of thing to the Lord all the time. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me the moving of your spirit. Teach me the sound of your voice. Let me know what you're doing. Show me. Teach me. 
to do thy will. For thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Lead me into the land. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. Here the psalmist says, lead me into the land of uprightness. The other psalmist in Psalm 119, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. If he's ordering my steps, I'm probably not going in the way of iniquity. Amen? I'm probably not following in the path of carnality. I'm probably not seeking out carnal things. You know, Romans 8, 7, Paul said, the carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal mind is enmity against God. There's more to that, and I can't think of it right now. For the carnal mind is enmity against God. The word enmity, it literally means enemy. It means hostility in the Greek. So when you and I have carnal minds, the word carnal comes from the Greek word sarx, S-A-R-X, and it means of the flesh or of the fleshly nature. Uh, or, or, of your carnal, your human will. When you're thinking like that and you're living like that, at that moment you have the mind that is hostile against God. And that's why we have to be careful that we don't get deep into that because at that very moment we got the mind of the devil in a sense. Jesus said to Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. And he said something that sounded good. Oh, uh, you're not, you're not going to go to the cross. I'm going. I'll go to the cross. Or whatever he said, something to something about the cross. And Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan!" Right to, to Peter's face. Right. So, when you entertain the carnal mind, you're entertaining hostility against God. It's the enemy of God. Let this mind be in you. It's a will that you choose. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You say, well, is it about prayer? It's about prayer. Because if you, if you continue with the, the mind of the Lord, it's so much easier to talk to him because you're not like, oh, I feel so bad what I was doing. Oh, I shouldn't have been doing that. Shouldn't have been reading that. Shouldn't have been doing that. Shouldn't have had that kind of entertainment. You know, then what are you doing? Then you're just like, you to repent. You know, then you can't pray because you're trying to repent. Who wants to live in a state of repentance all the time? Who wants to live in a state of guilt every day? I don't. You know, you can live above. The worldly churches will teach you that you cannot live above sin. You can live. doesn't mean you're never going to make a mistake. But they say you, you sin every day. We all sin every day. No, we don't. Because you learn better. Scripture says learn to do well. And you learn not to sin. And you learn what the Word says. You learn what the Spirit says. And you learn not to do, to do wrong. Amen? All right, did I cover all that? All right, somebody, somebody read that, uh, that small print up there, Matthew 6, 5 through 13. Just Somebody just jump on that and begin reading that. Everybody's leaving there, so we'll just read that and end it. Read a little bit louder, please.
Isn't that a beautiful passage? Amen. Uh, we're going to end. Anybody have a quick question before we uh, we'll try to get a quick answer if I've got the answer? Anybody? No? Well, we're naturally prone to sin, and we naturally sin when we're walking in the flesh. But because we're in the spirit and not in the flesh, if you really read Romans 6 and over and over and over, uh, it will verify everything I've said. How shall we that are, how's it go, Romans 6 and 1, um, how shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, is what it says. How shall, how shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He that is dead is freed from sin. And, and I always give the analogy of a man in a casket. He's dead. He was a chain smoker. He was a, an adulterer. But you can bring the prettiest women over there and have him lean over in the casket, and he's not even going to peek. You can put the marbles right on his chest, and he's not going to reach for it because he's dead. And when you're dead to the, your old ways, you know, you can say no. Over and over and over, you can say no. doesn't mean you're never going to fail. It, never, it doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. Temptation within itself is not a sin. We know that, right? But when you reach for it and you do it, when you do it, that, that's where the sin comes in. So, um, but I would just recommend reading Romans 6 over and over and over. Spend the next like 20, 30 years like I have, 40 years reading that. <laughs> and it just embed in your head. And if I had time, I'd go through that. And I'd be glad to, to do a teaching on that. As a matter of fact, I've thought about doing an actual podcast on that chapter because it's so, so deep and it's so wonderful. And it is, it's true. It's really, it shows you the transformation possibilities for people that walk in the Spirit. And uh hope that helps a little bit, but there's a lot more to it. Take time to give that. All right. Anything else real quick? You're wonderful people, a wonderful group. Reach over and touch somebody. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Uh, I pray that you'll bless each one. Lord, they've listened to me for about an hour or so. I pray, Lord, the word will get down in our hearts and we'll understand it greater and walk in it, live in it, love it. Help us to love one another like we should. Forgive one another, Lord, like we should. Our enemies, our family, old friends, old enemies, whoever they are, that we might draw near to you. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Everything Apostolic Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and review for it as it provides tremendous feedback to this ministry. Don't forget, more resources are available at www.charlesarodis.com. There you will find Pastor Rodis's books and also the newsletter and a free gift when you subscribe to the newsletter. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.